Welcome, guys, to another episode of the Paper Cuts Podcast. Today's episode is called The 75th Anniversary of Dr. Blue Balls. Enjoy. And we've made it to yet another episode of the Paper Cuts Podcast. For those of you who don't know, this is a podcast about comic books. Hence the name Paper Cuts. I know it's really, really next-level, high-end, highbrow stuff. But try and keep with me here. I'm back today. My name's Dean DeFalco, and I'll be your host for this podcast. With me, I have Dan Ryan, our wrestler in charge. Good evening. He's my muscle. He's so sexy. Damn right. Uh, next, we have Nick Grillo. He's our uh, new guy. Hello. And the return of Evan, Evan Goldstein, everybody. He made it back from the circus people. I'm I'm happy. Evan, how are you told? Did you get them all? You know, what really upsets me is these guys only wanted a dollar eighty five to get me back and <laughs> none of you assholes could help out. I, I got it eventually. I, I look, I you know, all things considering, I think you're all right. You're here. So you're you're not in any mortal danger. So let's jump right into it. Dan, what did you read this week? Well, the the first thing that I wanted to talk about is the new Doctor Who book. I I feel like that's a nice continuity tie-in with last week talking about the Silver Surfer being very similar to Doctor Who. This week, uh, two new Doctor Who books actually came out, um, one with the 10th Doctor, David Tennant, and one with the 11th Doctor, Matt Smith. Now, if you're a Doctor Who fan, you have your Doctor, the guy who is yours, who will always be yours, no matter how good or bad any of the Doctors that come after that person are. And for me and for my wife as well, we really got into Doctor Who during the David Tennant era. So I'm going to be talking about the David Tennant Doctor Who book that came out today. It's uh, It was pretty good. I'm not sure if the artist is correct that that's my main my main gripe i'll start off with the negative thing first uh elena casagrande is the artist on this book and while the art itself is pretty good it's nothing mind-blowing it's nothing earth earth shattering it the the problem that i had with it was that it was a bit inconsistent when you're doing a licensed property one of the big things that you've got to focus on is getting the character likeness correct. You know, Dark Horse does a lot of the Star Wars books and they struggle a little bit as well with the likeness as far as like Luke and Leia and Han are concerned. I mean, they nail Darth Vader and and the rest of them because how can you not? They're, you know, they're machine looking, robot looking things. That's relatively easy. But when you have to capture the the subtleties of the acting that David Tennant did in the role of the doctor, it it struggles a little bit. There's a couple panels where you look at it and you're like, man, that is that is spot on fantastic. And then there's a couple panels later in the book where it's like, eh, that doesn't really look like the same person. It, it's certainly not Greg Land level bad of like, that's not the same person <laughs> at all, dude. You got to trace the same guy. But it, there is a, a couple panels where it's just like, eh, that's a little bit off. That being said, the writing by a guy, I've never read any of his stuff before. His name's Nick Abadzis, or Abadzis. I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce it. The writing was really, really good. It captured a lot of, of the feel of David Tennant's Doctor. If, if you're a fan of Doctor Who, you are very familiar with the cadence and the inflection that David Tennant used to portray the character. There's a lot of warmth and a lot of charm in what he did. It's very, very different from the other Doctors that we've had since the reboot in 2005. Christopher Eccleston was a lot harsher. Matt Smith was a lot goofier. And I'm pretty sure that Peter Capaldi, in his new run of Doctor Who, is not going to be anything like Malcolm Tucker, I really wish he would be something like I just want to hear the doctor say fuckity bye a few times. <laughs> that would be really awesome. Probably not going to happen, though. But David had such a, a sweetness to his character and this this genuine curiosity and joy about discovering things, even in 
the midst of chaos and, and horror and all the stuff that happened during his run on the show, there was still a joy in exploring and learning. And this book does a really good job of capturing that. What's, what's interesting to me about it is that they chose to set it in New York. So, and these stories uh, are going to be official Doctor Who canon. So this 10th Doctor book is getting a new companion. It seems to that, like it's going to be this Mexican girl whose father is very strict and has her working a bunch of jobs and going to night school to help out the family. And she seems very uh, against the idea. Yeah, there's, there's a couple nice bits of dialogue of her talking to a friend saying, you know, uh, sure, I'd like to kind of go out and explore things. But, you know, I've got to do things for family and, you know, family comes first and you have to make these sacrifices. So it seems like the doctor is going to swoop in and and take her away from all this and show her the world and go on all these crazy adventures like they do. They introduce the uh, villain in this first issue that seems to basically be Satan, which is, you know, that's fun. Um, (laughs) You know, it's just this crazy horned and hooved demon looking thing. Uh, which may be a bit stereotypical, like you, there were some Mexican characters in this book running around saying adios mios and, you know, like all these things. And it's it's taking place on uh, Dia de los Muertos, which is the Day of the Dead, the Mexican festival. It takes place day before Halloween, you know, celebrating the, the memory of your loved ones. So there may be a little bit of a, a stereotypicalness to it, but I don't think it really came off as offensive. Um, you know, like I said, I don't know anything about the people who are making this book. I don't know what their background is or, you know, what they know, but definitely an enjoyable, enjoyable title. If you like Doctor Who, I don't think this is something that would grab somebody who's never seen the show before. Um, and I know Evan, I assume you, you've seen Doctor Who Dean. I I think we've talked about Doctor Who before. Yeah. Nick, you're not a Doctor Who guy, right? Not at all. I, I've actually uh, dazed out this whole time. What are Dan, you talking about? you're fired. Uh, uh, Nick, you're fired. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know that this is the book for you then, Nick, because if you're not a fan of the show, you're not. It, it's just going to read like kind of this, this weird story. And if you are a fan of the show, David Tennant's voice is coming through as you're reading this. And when is this, when is this story supposed to be taking place? I have no idea. They haven't gotten into any of that stuff yet. Although he did mention uh, there, there was a brief little uh, allusion to Donna. You know, he, he says something. He's like, oh, Donna would have torn that one apart. So this is after Donna. Uh, but presumably, you, you know, I, I don't know if it's after Donna the first time we had Donna or season four. I'm not exactly sure where it would fit in there. Gotcha. Uh, but so, I, but Dan, fun, yeah. You know, I, that's awesome. That's awesome. It sounds like an awesome book. Uh, that's on its uh, first issue from Titan, right? Mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. just real quick before we skip on to the other book, didn't IDW uh, have a huge run with these books for a while? They did. They did, and they lost the license uh, to Titan. Um, IDW is actually replacing Doctor Who in their publishing schedule with an Orphan Black comic. Oh, okay. That's oh. that's cool. Um, yeah, I've I've heard I should be watching Orphan Black. I haven't seen any of it yet. Yeah, everybody's telling me the same thing. Yeah, it's supposed to be a really great show and seems to fill, from what I understand, kind of that same niche in their publishing uh, portfolio anyway. But Space Odyssey, right? Or something to that. Well, I, I mean, t- to be honest... They weren't doing a great job with the Doctor Who stuff. It was very spotty at best. When yeah, you know, no, they, it was on. they weren't good. So you know, hopefully this will this will pull through and be a solid book for Titan at least. Uh, I just checked in on that writer. As far as my my ability to see what he's written, this is actually the first book or series, notable series that he's been on. All right then, yeah. So he did a pretty good job with this first issue. Very and cool. The, Very cool. The great, the great thing about the Doctor Who books is that because he is a time traveler, this can go on with this particular iteration of the Doctor for as long as they want it to. Yeah, there's no real continuity they have to follow. Yeah, yeah, they can jump around all over the place. And 
I'll, I'll be reading later. I did pick up the uh, Matt Smith book as well, The 11th Doctor Adventures. So I'll, I'll get into that. Maybe I'll talk about that next week. I really like Matt Smith. Um, you know, like I said, he's not my doctor. David Tennant is. But I actually, to interrupt, mm-hmm. got a little bit of Matt Smith info today. I was listening to something, and they were talking about a Broadway play coming up for American Psycho. They're going to be putting it up in, you know, Broadway, New York, because it did so well in England. And apparently uh, Bateman was played by Matt Smith. I can totally see that. Right? I can totally see him standing at the top of the stairwell, throwing down a chainsaw. Oh, God. Not we're we're. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the buzzer here. We're we're not going back into that again. Good old uh, good old no eyebrows, though. So uh, good. Good for him. At least he has work. Uh, yeah, but his lack of eyebrows is uh, it's, it's is creepy. Terrifying. It's creepy. Uh, so, so Dan, what what is your other book? I I must know. The other book that I read this week uh, was a, a book that had it not been written by Warren Ellis, I would have no interest in. Um, it's Supreme Blue Rose. Supreme was a character created by Rob Liefeld back in the day for Image Comics. Oh God, and wow. Yeah, yeah, and was a a very derivative, awful superhero title. And then Alan Moore took it over. And Alan Moore, as much as I am not a huge Alan Moore fan, did some really interesting things with the character and made it more of a metacognitive approach to superhero books. And it got very strange in a lot of places, and it was definitely not a book for for everyone. And it hasn't been, there hasn't been a Supreme book in a little while. I think I may be wrong on this. I think Rob Liefeld actually did try to bring it back at some point. Uh, but you know, it's Rob Liefeld. His books don't really sell anymore. You know, in the nineties, the guy could do no wrong today. He can't, he can't do anything right. So this book is, (sighs) I don't, I don't know really what happened in this issue. I picked it up because it, <laughs> it's a number one. Yeah, it's a number one. It's Warren Ellis doing the writing. Tula Lotte is doing the artwork. And the major, major high point for me on this issue actually was the art. It's really, really well done and very interesting. It almost looks like, um, like crayon. It, but it, which may sound really be- stupid, but it, it it's it has that kind of that that texture and that feel and kind of a sheen to it, like a waxy crayon would look as far as the coloring and the the artwork. There's a lot of really heavy, thick blacks throughout this issue as well. There's a blue thread almost all over all the pages throughout the entire issue. And it's just really visually was very interesting to look at almost like I said, like crayons and almost kind of like a pop art kind of feel to it. Um, The the Roy Lichtenstein kind of style of artwork. The story is is Warren Ellis. So it's weird, right? (laughs) It's not it's not exactly a straightforward story. It starts with a dream sequence where the the main character of the book is is warned to avoid a certain person and wouldn't you know she meets that person later on in the book and goes right along with what he's offering her his name is Darius Dax and he is offering her a chance to be a reporter again apparently this girl was one I think she said I think it said the Pulitzer Prize she won for journalism and was then fired from her job 4 months later and she can't get a job doing anything as as far as reporting is concerned. So this guy offers her uh $300,000 to go out and find out things that he doesn't know because apparently the business that he's in is selling secrets and information to people who need to know things. And these are the types of secrets and information that none of us will ever know, right? These are the the really high up, secretive, crazy things. Um, 
so she's offered the $300,000 to find out some information. There's an arch that this guy has in, in this room that says Supreme on it. And they have video footage of the character of Supreme in his civilian identity. And she says, or he says to her, you know, this is Ethan Thomas Crane. You're going to go find out who this guy is. And that's really about all that happened in this book. But just very, very strange, very much in its own head kind of Warren Ellis storytelling. Um, Again, I don't know that this is a book that a lot of people are going to dig. If you're not a Warren Ellis fan, I don't think this would convince you. But if you are a Warren Ellis fan, I would say give this one a shot. They've done some interesting things with Supreme in the past. I don't see why this would be any different. Okay. What if I'm a Dan fan? Does that change uh, then you sh- No, then you should just listen to everything I say and, and buy what I talk about because I know. Done I'm and done. This book? <laughs> What's that? Are you recommending this book or what? I, uh, well, if you're a <laughs> yes. Warren Ellis fan, yes, get this book. If you're not a Warren Ellis fan, it needs a couple more issues. I, I can't I can't give it a wholehearted recommendation right off the bat because not a lot happened. And with a book like this, this is something that could be really awesome and really interesting, or it could come off the rails in a big bad way really quick. <laughs> Are you wanting more for for the next issue? I mean, is it at least you know is there some some anticipation? I mean, are you yeah, I'm, I'm that at all? <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely intrigued by it. I mean, I'm I'm a big Warren Ellis guy, so I mean, I'm going to read it. Regardless, but I am interested. Yeah. I, I want to know what's going to happen here with this guy, this Darius Dax guy. Why does he need to know who Supreme is? Why does he care? Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's some intrigue and some mystery there. Um, but yeah, like I said, it needs a few more issues yeah. to, to really hook me, I think. Gotcha. Fair enough. All right, so let's move on to the next person down the line. Nick, what did you read this week? Yeah, well, this week I read uh, Batman and Saga. Oh, so man. I'll start off with, with Batman. You know, it is the 75th anniversary, and it did take me a while to get my books today because little kids wanted to get Batman masks. But, you know, <laughs> I waited, and, and I read a couple books online. And uh, so this one was actually the finale of Zero Year. Has anyone uh, caught up on Zero Year? Not, Not I. caught up, but... I was enthralled the entire time. Every issue that I read, it's such a good story. All right, so I, I won't give any big spoilers or anything like that. But yeah, th- I, I thought this was story was was you know really well formed out from the beginning. It, it, it was a whole year long, so I mean, you know, it's it's he did take you on a lot of different turns. You know, who was the bad guys? You know, the Red Hood, that whole thing. You know, the start of it, and then they they showed you the future shot of him on the motorcycle. You know, in the city that's taken over by weeds. You know, it it, it gave you a lot of mystery in the beginning, and, and it definitely definitely paid off in the end. But I think the the, the signature note of uh, Snyder's Batman is uh, his interaction between him and Alfred. Um, uh, it you know. In this one, he, he, you know, he's he's coming down. He's fighting the Riddler. So in, in thirty two, he, he finally comes, you know, face to face with him. And in thirty three, you know, he has to solve his riddles. You know, not a big leap for going against the Riddler, <laughs> but <laughs> at the same time, they're good riddles. You know, I, I'm pretty bad at solving them, so I was, uh, you know, intrigued to see what the answers were and, and everything fit. And you know, the overarching riddles seemed to make sense and everything, but. Um, you know, the, the, big, the big takeaway is, is his voice, the, the voice that he gives um, Bruce Wayne and Batman. I think Scott Snyder has nailed it from the beginning. You know, I, we go, I go back to uh, Black Mirror when, when, you know, when Bruce wasn't even in the book. And, and I thought that he nailed Dick and Damien's character. And then he comes to, uh, you know, the, the Talon whole saga. And I, I, I loved the Talon saga. I, I thought that was uh, well played. And uh, well orchestrated. You know, I think it fell off a little bit in the death of the family, but then he comes back in full force with the zero year. And um, so, just in in thirty two, when he, when he was he's you know at this point Alfred is gone. He gets into a big tussle with him, and um, you know he says, you know, I'm done. Alfred says, I'm done. I'm out of here. You're you're on a failing mission. There's no reason to do this. You know why even fight this battle? You're just going to lose. And you know that stem you know that uh invokes uh bruce to to 
do an audio message to to Alfred about how you know that's what Batman is. You know, he's a losing venture, but you know sometimes the city rewards this kind of madness. And uh, and he says, I, I hope I get to argue this with you know about this with you soon. And that was you know how thirty two pretty much ended with a, a good face off between. Um, and it takes you back to the the Sphinx and um, that whole serpent eating his his own tail. You know, I thought that was a really. I think, but what Capullo tries to do in these books are really cool. Like in in, um, in the talent book, where you know he went into the maze and you had to turn the book around, and and at one point, like I even turned the wrong way because you, you're lost in the maze. <laughs> and I thought he had a chance to do that too with the serpent eating his own tail, but then you know I think that um, DC heads had to uh, step in, put numbers on it for some odd reason because we're uh, we have to uh, have to play children sometimes. Uh, you know, with with our picture books, who, who would have thought that thirty two year olds shouldn't be reading these? Or, or, that's not their main audience. <laughs> but um, yeah, so in the, you know, in the last uh, thirty two, he comes face to face with Riddler, and then in uh, thirty three, you know, spoiler alert: he, he he wins. Could you believe it? No way. Oh, oh so there's going to be a number thirty four. <laughs> but yeah, hopefully it'll go back to some one shots though. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little sick of the story, you know, a little tired. I want something new, you know, because I'm not a big fan of the uh, detective uh, series, even though I heard good things about Icarus. Um, so I did want to read some new Batman stuff. Um, but at the end of this, uh, you know, he, he kind of goes back to Alfred. And I think that's where the, the main line of everything is. And uh, he has this real long conversation about why he does this. And, and at one point when, you know, when he was younger, um, he, he, almost went insane because uh he saw his parents in everybody else's faces and and it was like uh some nightmare hall of mirrors as he describes it and um right before like he went to a mental institution he got a fake alfred to, to check him in and um he was about to get shocked into you know he, he calls it a rebooting himself and um you know, right before that, he 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 pulls out and he doesn't shock his his whole memory and his brain system out. And and, and you know, he, to keep him from going crazy, he's got to be crazy and and defend the city. He wants you know Batman to be the lightning rod for all these bad guys to uh, culminate around and, and to attack instead of attacking the city itself. And 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 after the whole time. You know, he, he just he still sees Bruce as this little kid and he wants to protect him. You know, he, he ends up, you know, kind of saving the day a little bit in the end. And, and, and you know, his main goal is to, uh, you know, to heal Bruce whenever he he's uh, scraped and bruised and uh, he'll always be there to, to patch him up. And, and at the end, you know, he 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 tries to hook Bruce up with um, an old uh, fling from when he was a boy, this Julie Madsen. And, uh, you know. Bruce just poo poos it, and 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 Alfred, you see like this. <laughs> the, the thing that the thing about Kulu's art is, uh, I heard him um, on a podcast. I think it was uh, Fat Man on Batman, and the way he draws faces, I think that he just one of his old teachers just just grilled on him and was just like, you're not drawing good faces. They're not expressive. And I think he's gotten to this point where he draws a panel, no words in it. It's just Alfred's eyes, and and they look so you know, sullen and, and heartbroken. And, you know, he just wants this kid to have a full life. You know, he doesn't want him just to be, you know, this Cape Crusader saving the day. He, he, he's like, you know, there's going to be more to your life. When I was an actor, when I was a 25 year old actor, um, I knew, I I didn't know that there'd be a a time after this. I always thought that I would act forever. And Bruce, you know, there's going to be a time when you're not going to be Batman. And, and and so he was like, you know, please connect with this other side of you. And, and Bruce is just like, you know, I, I can't. That's that's just not me. You know, I, I'm I'm that crazy because, you know, what happened to me as a child. And and I've done dramatic, dramatic things in my life to just, you know, try to stave off this madness or, or bring on the madness. And yet it, it's never going to work. This is just who I am. You know, at the end, you know, Alfred goes to her and just says that, you know, he he's spoken for. And, uh, and at the last page is a splash panel with, with him flying to the city. And, you know, Capullo's art and this whole thing has been great. The only one question I did have was, you know, you bring in the talons and you bring in this, this architect of the city, the defender of the cities, the, the, you know, the, something that always wanted to have its, you know, controls and grasp the city. And now the talons, like this whole organization is not even in it. And yet, you know, five years later, it 
tries to take over the city. You know, some of the new 52 stuff, the continuity doesn't fit well. And, and, and it was weird because at, at one point, Lucius Fox is, is – or who is it? Lucius – it could have – yeah, Lucius Fox was crawling out of like a hole and he sees this owl come across his face. And that brought me into it. It's like, wait. Why haven't the town stepped in here and, and done anything? If you're going to – what are you just going to – you know, you have your your talons in the city for 100 years or 200 years as long as it went back. And now you're just going to be like, ah, whatever. Let the river come in. You know, <laughs> who cares? Br- bring some water in it, you know. So, well, that, you know. When, it comes to, when it comes to 52, the new 52 and continuity, it's all of it's been iffy. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing, nothing. I mean, especially with the ones that they like, the Batman's, the Superman, Green Lantern, the ones that they try to keep some sort of continuity from the past. They're trying to come up with these amazing stories or what they think are amazing stories and fit it into this new continuity. And it's you know, ten pounds of shit in a two pound bag. Some of it just doesn't fit anymore. <laughs> and well, that's and- I did like that about Zero Year is that like you know. This could have been before year one. It, it, it could have been you know. It didn't have to fit into this new 52 bubble because they didn't really bring in any other characters it was just a batman centric story and some of his his villains and uh it, you know it, it didn't need any of the other stuff see but that's the problem when they pop into the 52 it's only been five years yeah and that's i mean this is a fantastic story there's i mean court of owls and 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 this current run zero year that that's there's only five years till what is currently running, and there's too much story for five years. Too many players, too many characters for just five years. So we'll see what happens. I mean, Bat- the Batman has been my favorite book of the Bat titles since the, the 52 turn- turned over. And it's been the most consistent and probably the most entertaining, in my opinion. Yeah, I, w- I would say it is definitely the best the best book that DC's putting out and, and Scott Snyder and, and Capullo are just this absolutely incredible team. I mean, th- those two guys are just firing on every, every single cylinder that they can possibly fire on. And I think going back to what you said, Nick, about Capullo and his, his art teacher blasting him, it was on, on Kevin Smith's fat man on Batman. I think, I think what he said to him, if I remember correctly, was you're drawing pictures of faces, mm-hmm. not actual faces. Mm-hmm. And Capullo's artwork in this has been absolutely stellar. It has been just as good as could be. And I was I was a little sad when he when they first announced that Capullo was going to take over on Batman with Snyder because he said that he was offered two books. He was offered Batman at DC and Avengers versus X Men at Marvel. I think he made and the right choice. He, no, he, he did. definitely Absolutely. did, without a doubt, made the right choice. But I really, once I heard that, I really wanted to see him on Avengers versus X Men. I, you know, just in my mind, what that book could have been with Capullo on the art, it was just this out of control great thing. I, I don't think it would fit Capullo's art style at all, really. I mean, he's so. The script and, and the small details of his face, you know, when be, when when Batman when Bruce got beat up and the stitches and on the lip, it, it, like just the small details, and then you'd have to draw every single you know character in the in the Marvel universe in that yeah. in that series. It just wouldn't really fit, you know. You want someone flashier, like imminent or someone like that. Yeah, no, and and like I said, in my mind, it was this great thing. Seeing it in reality, this is absolutely the best book for Capullo to be on. It is. It, I think I've said it before on this podcast, but in my opinion, this is the best Batman has ever been. You know, and taking into account Frank Miller's Year One and Dark Knight Returns, taking into account the the Denny O'Neill stuff, this is, I think, the best that he has ever been done. Well, I, I mean, the the art form keep keeps evolving too, so that that also has something to do with it. You know, you can't really compare. Something from the I don't know, let's say '60s to where it is now. It's two totally different things. I mean, you can almost consider them two totally different genres at that point because Batman '60s isn't Batman now by any way, shape, it's or two, form. Oh no, sure, sure. Two totally different characters. Yes, mm-hmm. they both have the name Batman, but they're two completely different people. And it was just the time that those characters were created. I mean, we went from '66 to 
you know, the Dark Knight, and it wasn't much of a progression. It went 66, boom, Dark Knight. And then from Dark Knight, it has progressed with that darkness that he has, you know, it's all, it's been sort of par since the Dark Knight. It hasn't gone back and forth uh, outside of when, you know, Dick had the mantle for a short period of time. It was a little lighthearted or a little more lighthearted. And it's always been Batman is the the adult of the group, if you will. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's always been the – I don't want to say father figure because that instills some sort of, you know, love or, or whatnot. He has very little emotion or shows very little emotion, but he's always been the adult in the group ever since The Dark Knight. And I personally prefer a lighter-hearted Batman, not – 66 pow bam whap batman <laughs> but you know everything when you read a batman book now everything is dire everything is do or die there is no coming back there's no going forward it's right here and there's nothing else happening uh gotta cut my steak uh, <laughs> so tough. After, like, <laughs> you, you, you need a nap after you read a batman book nowadays <laughs> batman is is the line in the sand you know, he is the, you know, here, no further. When everybody else has fallen down as comic book fans, we're like, well, yeah, but, you know, Batman, he'll, <laughs> you know, it's, who, who do you got in a fight? You know, the dark side or Batman? Well, Batman, you know, because because he's that, that makes sense. <laughs> totally <laughs> makes sense. Doomsday versus Batman. Yeah, Batman's going to win. No problem. Yeah, totally bad, Batman. <laughs> You know, yeah, d- yeah. definitely not like this monstrous Hulk is gonna bash no, him into Batman. smithereens. Batman, Batman's no, totally got him. Batman. It's it's, a, it's all Batman. <laughs> Makes perfect. He killed Superman, but no, Batman's got this. No, he does. He totally has it. <laughs> Tower of Babel showed you that Batman has a fucking answer for everything. Obviously, obviously. Well, let, let's uh, let, let's keep going. Nick, you read Sagas. Well, well, actually, let me touch on one more thing. Um, I did go to the, the comic book store today, and I got my free Detective Comics number 27, the re- the reprinting sort of of the 1939 Batman. And uh, so when I opened that up, it was just kind of funny to see, you know, the complete differences between the now Batman and the old Batman. You know, it opens up where, where Bruce and the commissioner – are uh, sitting around smoking a pipe and, and a cigarette. Where, <laughs> where, where straight? Mm. <laughs> yeah, really. And, and and you know it's it's so different than the new Batman because in this one um, Bruce gives back uh, the 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 coat of uh, Gordon, and that coat was like the symbol the symbol of like his corruption and you know something that he'll never do again. And at you know. Missing from the coat is his cigarettes. You know, Batman even was worried about his health. You know, it's it's so strange. <laughs> no, and he then, wanted a cigarette. He stole the cigarettes. Uh, yeah, he was. He, he's been fighting too much crime. And he needs the, a little release at night. Batman, <laughs> who's that figure cigarette. up there smoking that cigarette? <laughs> well, yeah, big big silhouette and just that little cherry lighting up <laughs> and going away. <laughs> Well, at least so that's what better opens than up with some weird, Come on, yeah, now. weird, weird uh, pipe smoking and cigaring, and and uh, you know, it, it, Bruce even goes with the commissioner to the crime scene because, like all you know, famous people, they like to go to crime scenes, mm-hmm. and uh, then he you know nods out and, and fights his crime, and so it was an interesting uh, look at that, and uh, the art was, the art was pretty cool. I mean, not groundbreaking, but. It got it got it done, and then uh, but at the end of it, they also have this um, retelling, well, this reprinting of uh, Scott Snyder and um, what's his name, uh, Sean Murphy's uh, twenty seven, um, uh, no, yeah, twenty seven story, where like every twenty seven years, Batman creates a clone of himself, and you know that takes him to year two hundred, which I, I think is a great story. And not to mention the perfect art of Sean Murphy in this thing. You know, his punk rock Jesus was great. The Wake is great. You know, all his, all his work on Batman, you know, the small things he's done has all been great. And this is another great short story that, you know, you could pop in and out of. It shows some cool things in the future, but it's all grounded, you know, because at the end of it, he still has the Joker card hanging from the, the ceiling of the Batcave. And, and he says, you know, what's that one? And, and, you know, the old Bruce says, you'll find out. We all do. You know, so it, it's that's a great story. 
And uh, so, and it's given away for free today. So definitely go go to your comic stores and pick that baby up. Cool. Unfortunately, I believe everyone's closed now. So next well, time tomorrow and demand it. Say I don't care. <laughs> I was here. I wasn't here yesterday, but I want it now. Okay. So uh, I'll move over to Saga. Very cool. Is um, anyone else reading Saga besides me? I am. Cool. Cool. I'm so far behind. So far behind on it. You all caught up, Dean? Uh, no, I'm like an issue or two behind, but I, I've been trying to catch up. Yeah, well, they had the the big delay, you know, the six months off they well, usually have. Yeah, that that's and, what and they threw came, me off. Yeah, 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 and then they came back with you know, nineteen, twenty, and twenty one came out recent in the last three months, and um, like all Brian K. Vaughan stuff, it. it it's all about world shifting and throwing things on its axis that you never really thought that was going to happen. And the first whole big arc, it was all this, this love story about these two different, you know, groups of people that, you know, shouldn't really get along and they end up falling in love and having a kid. And then, you know, they get chased around the galaxy by bounty hunters and it's a good time. And, and, uh, you know, I love the will and lion cat was great, you know? So the, the characters and the character development has been really going smoothly. It's a really complex world. And uh, this whole time, you have this, this prince robot following you and everything. And, you know, he gets pretty messed up in the last battle, the last whole arc and everything. And now, you know, 19 shows up and, and the first page is this. It's this robot head coming out of a vagina and it's got blue <laughs> stuff all around it. And it took me a minute to figure out what the fuck was going on. But then you're like, oh, my God, that is a baby and a butthole. <laughs> but it, it, I would never want to be in in a delivering room, and I do not want to be in there if I ever have a kid. But this is not graphic or gross, and it, it's very odd. It's just like you put an alien there, and you have blue blood, and all of a sudden you're like, ah, eh, you know, I, I could take childbirth. Are, are, are you sure it's not graphic or gross? Because I mean, they've had some pretty graphic stuff. I remember giant ogre dicks just dangling down, and that was a. <laughs> That was something his, else. So, his dick and balls were so small, though. It was almost cute. That No, that, that wasn't cute in any way, shape, or form. It was weird. <laughs> no, I, as I said. Adorable it, little ogre dick. That's lovely. <laughs> that should be the title of this episode. Changing the name. Adorable little... No, I, I can't. That, that, there's so... No. No, I can't. Oh. But, yeah. Almost. The whole story is that uh, Prince Robot had a kid, and... Um, so there's a there's this janitor that works for the royalty and um he ends up uh killing the wife and taking the kid because his own kid died of diarrhea because um he drank some bad water and you know since he didn't have insurance and only the royals have insurance or some certain class of people had insurance he uh could not get his um his his son uh healthy and he ended up dying of diarrhea which is probably one of the worst ways to go <laughs> that sounds but, awful yeah yeah and, and that's and that's the 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 the, the realness of you know your brian cable writing i i just like how all the conversations just seem natural um you know and this and at the end of 19 um a lot well during 19 alana is uh, now uh, a soap opera actress and um marcos is a stay-at-home dad uh and you know it, it's cool the worlds that he creates um being an actress it's not regular television everyone's got like this big you know circular thing around their head and and they could actually they're they're in an auditorium watching this and they can actually interact and talk to the people and and, and you know mock them and curse them and everything like that and alana can't break but you know she ends up breaking and and yelling at the guy yelling at her and because she, she's got so much spunk but at the end of the issue um you know, Brian Wood does another huge splash panel splash page and um, turns the story on on its head and, and says, you know, this is the story of how my parents split. So, you know, it's it's as, you know, innocent as that and, and, and unbombastic as that saying that this is a story about just just a relationship and my parents and, um, you know, and, and they're they're road to uh breaking up or or you know that's how it seems right now who knows what's gonna happen at the end uh but in this issue uh 21 alana has found her way into drugs which is kind of funny because that's the only way some of these actors perform is on drugs (laughs) 
And um, the, the stuff they do is um, lasts for like three days and, and she ends up going home high. And um, but the, the overarching story now is that this one guy who's in this one splash page, it was so funny. He's got, um, you know, since he's part of the Prince Robot um, uh, species or whatever, he's got a face of an old TV, you know, with the click dials. That you know, I don't know if, if Dean ever seen really. Those, they they but... went that far. That's awesome. I like that. <laughs> yeah, the TV yeah. ages. But... That's great. <laughs> well, no, it doesn't age. He's just the lower form of it, I think. And that since he's like you know one of the little civilians or whatever, like lower in the ranks of, of of our hierarchy, that he has this old you know really shitty TV oh, where Prince Rope has like a, a real cool monitor. What I, yeah. I can't I can't comprehend. Just go, keep going though. Keep going. <laughs> but on that screen, <laughs> he's got like this little puppet puppet guy going, and and because he's got the baby that he stole wrapped around him, he's got a big gun in his hand, uh, uh, a skull like you know, a full formed face and head and everything attached to a spine that's just dangling there in blood, and he just walks into this place and just starts blowing shit up and killing people. So he's definitely your new big bad in this book. And um, so you really, you know, this is the first time that no one's really against Alana and Marcos. It's just having um, them, you know, this one guy stealing Prince Robot's baby after Prince Robot has been, um, you know, uh, you know, chasing Alana and Marcos the whole time. So we'll, we'll see where, where that takes you. But I'm very intrigued to see where it goes. You know, as as small as um, the relationship between those two characters is of Alana and Marcos, I still want to see where the love story goes. <laughs> you know, it, it, at the end, I think this is just going to be a love story book. It, it was about, you know, this one guy who's writing prose love stories, and that was how they formed the rebellion. Now it's about these two love story, and it's going to be about, I think, Pr- Prince Robot loving his, his son and, you know, <laughs> Uh, it's it's all about love. <laughs> but I, I think it's real cool book. Ogre penises. Uh, ogre penis love and uh, weird vaginas. <laughs> yeah, there, there's been some weird saga. shit in that book. Uh, yeah, sagas. If uh, if anyone hasn't read it, and you're not going to flip out when you see nudity or anything for that matter, because this book can get pretty graphic. It's really really awesome. Otherwise, the storytelling is fantastic. So yeah, I, I actually look forward to, to, to what the nudity is going to be because if you pick up like a book like <laughs> like like Painkiller Jane, you know like a nipple's going to pop out every once in a while or something like that. Like you know what's going to happen. But in this, like it could be anything. It's it's a robot, you know, birthing. It's an ogre penis. It it could be anything, and I love that. It could be a spider lady with four different, eight different tits. It's 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 fun now. Ah, <laughs> the spice of life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh uh, so, so there's that. Uh, Evan, what, what have you got for us? <laughs> oh, how, how do you follow um, up Spider Lady with eight I, different I can't. Like, I, really, there's nowhere to go but down. Um, <laughs> I got two books this week. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about this title called Trees. Uh, Warren Ellis and uh, art by Jason Howard. Not going to talk too much about it because we did have a little Ellis love earlier. But it is about a these pillars that have fallen from the sky and embedded themselves all over the planet. It's some sort of alien technology, and they're called the trees. And the story so far is how life is now with these things all around them. Um, it's going to be, from, my te- from what I can tell, it seems like it's going to be coming from different points of view, the same story or a progressive story from different points of view. And we were talking about this earlier pre-podcast but there's so far in i've only read two years and apparently the third one came out today i chose not to go to my local comic shop today and stand in line for a batman mask i'm just <laughs> going to wait till the weekend uh, but it seems like there's going to be an artist's point of view um apparently the third issue hits what i was deeming the mob aspect of it um in the second issue they had a governmental view of how life has become um the very beginning of the, the, the whole the first issue was what life is like on the streets, the violence between the, the common folk and, and what would be, it seems like, a, a police force. And the second issue was mainly about um, the science aspect of it, that these people are monitoring the trees and what's going on around them and how they're progressing and how they're, they're adapting or changing the environment around them. Every once in a while, something apparently happens inside of them where they just dump out this waste 
And that waste, from what I could tell, is starting to affect the landscape and, and modify it to what I'm assuming they need to, 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 to progress or to, to evolve. Because as, as of right now, that's the only negative aspect is this waste that dumps out of these trees. There's no aliens so far. Um, there's, there's no, uh, like, there's no demands of any sort. It's just how people on the planet are reacting to them and then in turn reacting with each other. So it, it's this the art. I, I'm loving the art. I thought Jason Howard did a fantastic job in it. Like you can feel because there's confusion and emotion and you can actually feel it in the artwork. And, you know, it's Warren Ellis. The story's good. And I like the fact that I'm getting to see Warren Ellis tackle the same story from different points of view. So you can hear it slightly differently, you know, with each chapter, if you will. Um, and that's what I got for that. I mean, I don't want to go too deep into it because it is Ellis, and he gets enough play on this podcast, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that, that's okay. Yeah, not we'll see that there's bit. anything wrong with that. Yeah, no, there's, there's <laughs> no, not there's absolutely nothing. The other book that I, I, I read and I really enjoyed was a book called Outcast by Robert Kirkman and Paul Azetta, I'm going to go with. Um, it is Demon's... God, all sorts of that good, good story fodder. Uh, the book starts off with this mother interacting with her children and they're arguing in the background and there's a little boy in a, in a closet, what looks like a pantry, and he's eating. And the mom walks over to him and he turns and he just says, I'm so hungry. And his face is covered in blood and he's eating apparently something he shouldn't be. I'm going <laughs> to go with a rodent or whatnot. You really can't see it, but it is graphic. Like, you could feel, you could see how terrified this mother is of her child. And then we flash off to somewhere else, and we're introduced to the main character, and his name is Kyle. And Kyle has a hell of a backstory that we're slowly piecing together. Um, something happened between um, him and his wife and his daughter. Uh, Kyle has, and his mother, even before that, apparently Kyle is is always around when someone's getting possessed. So apparently his mother was possessed when he was younger, and he dealt with that um, in, with him and his wife and his child. His wife was possessed, and the wife was attacking the child, and the child got hurt, and he got blamed for it, so he's no longer with her, and they're estranged, and his sister gets involved because he, she wants him to have a relatively normal life, but he's a shut-in. He, he, can't, he can't win in, in, in every aspect of his life. And what ends up happening is um, a priest who was dealing with him and his mother remembers him and how he reacted or dealt with the demon, if you will. And he is now involved with the little boy that we were introduced into at the beginning of the story. And he brings him in to help. Almost, I mean, like, as I'm reading it and looking at the panels, I, it was like, he's a little boy. But outside of that, it was like straight out of The Exorcist. It was it was riveting because you could see it was the just like in The Exorcist, there was that priest that was ah, I don't really want to be here. He didn't really say that, but it's like this is I don't believe in this. I don't know what's going on, and then eventually gets headlong into it. He's all about it, and that's where this story is going. And it's apparently, the same demon has been following him. And it seems to be that, like, this demon is, is just poking his head in <clears throat> every, like, ten years. Like, he affected his, his, his wife, his mother, um, it, and now it's effect infecting this kid that really doesn't seem to have anything to do with him, but he just happens to be in the neighborhood. Um, it's it's a, a story that has a lot of – has legs. It's, it, you're, you're just given a, a, a quick little glimpse into something that's going to be infecting his – entire existence and has been since he was a little child. Um, I love it. I thought it was, the art is fantastic. The, the story is so well written. I mean, Kirkman is, is a genius when it comes to storytelling and this is no different. Um, what I did like about this is it did, it did not have that walking dead end of the issue. Oh my God what's going to happen or, Oh my God, did you see what just happened? This, the end of this book was, yeah, I am seriously interested to see what's going to go on. It wasn't dire. It's, it's, this is going to be a, a good story to roll with. So it, one of you know, my pick for the week. So 
Very cool, man. Very cool. That sounds like an awesome book. I- I'm gonna have to check it out myself. Uh, wh- who'd you say was writing that book again? Kirkman. <laughs> Kirk. Thank you, Kirkman. Kirkman. Very Robert, cool. Very cool. Robert Kirkman. Robert Kirkman. <laughs> glad we're glad <laughs> we're on part. Officially right. goes by Robert. Is that? No, he goes Actually, by well, Frodrick. He and I are close. So did anyone yeah. read the letter columns of that book? No. It turns out Kirkman believes in this stuff. <laughs> Check it out next time. Flip to really? the back and just read the first yeah, like couple no paragraphs. Wrong. He's like, he's like, See, he's oh just, man, now you're telling me he's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it, basically. Well, yeah. You, you gotta, you gotta be crazy to make stories like this. It's not easy trying to come up with material. Yeah, so I guess believing in something. Levels are crazy though. <laughs> well, he's, he, I think he's on the borderline crazy. I don't think that he really fully loves it, fully believes in it. But like I think that he he, he insinuates that this stuff. There is real. evidence that supports the possibility that demonic possession is very much real. <laughs> no, no, well. there's not. No, there is. Robert Kirkman, <laughs> Backwoods, California, June 2014. I I love Robert huh? Kirkman, but I I would have to take him to task for that. No, there's not. Oh well. Well, all right. I, I guess this uh, leaves me to round everything up. So, Ready to go. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm set. Like, uh, here we go. I read Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time. Uh, sorry, Chris. This book was definitely. Oh, man, we just lost the listener. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, this book was definitely uh, something else. Um, mainly because there, there were two issues that out. I read both of them back to back just to kind of get a feel. First one was kind of, it looks like it's in the art form of the what's the new one the animated series so mm-hmm. i wasn't okay. too fond about it but i was like okay it's all right maybe they're gonna stay with this and the artist on this one was ross campbell and david peterson so i i wasn't like i didn't hate it but it was just kind of simplistic it almost looked like anime-ish i guess that's why it was a little bit of a turnoff because i like my turtles the way they look in the the regular series that they have running right now now what was a kick in the balls and automatically drew just totally threw me out of the the book was the art in the second issues by David Peterson and Charles Paul Wilson the third. Uh, he is the third of shittiness because <laughs> these uh, these turtles that he drew look like space aliens. They 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 look just disgusting and a uh, wrinkly. And they always have an angry look on their face, and they're always like kind of. Are green. they worse than Michael Bay's turtles? Yeah, they're pretty bad. They could. They're probably worse. I, I shit you not. There is one frame of Leonardo and Raphael, and Raphael's face looks like a vacuum cleaner. It legitimately looks like a <laughs> vacuum cleaner. And I, Leonardo might have diarrhea. It, it he's making a face like he's really clenching it. So, yeah, it's it's not pretty to look at, and it totally, like, as soon as I saw the art, I was like, I'm going to read this, but that's it. I'm not picking up another issue after this, especially if this dude's still on the book. So, yeah, that's 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 such, that's such a shame, too, because, like, I read comics mostly for the story. I, I mostly read for writers. There are very few artists where I'm like, oh, this guy's on the book. I got to go pick this up. Like, Gary Frank is a guy where... I pick up whatever he does because I love Gary Frank's art. But when when the artwork is that bad, it doesn't matter how good the story is. Right, not, right. You just can't get through it. Yeah. And the, the, you, you know what's killing me is Charles Paul Wilson um, in – I haven't seen – I'm trying to find this Turtles image and I can't at this moment. But he did – he's done um, – what was the name of that book where uh, the teddy bears and, and all of the – Stuffed animals come alive to save a child. Um, oh, this is going to kill me. It is <laughs> done. It's gone. The storyline was <laughs> so good, and the art was amazing. Um, Stuff of Legend. Yes! Stuff of Legend, okay. I'll okay. take a look at that. Really, really good. I, I think the problem is, is that you're used to your turtles. I g- you have that image of a turtle. Uh, well, well uh, I'll tell you what. If uh, pr- Prove me wrong. Uh, if you open up that issue, it's issue number two of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time. And if you think 
the art is passable because I'll tell you what, Eastman did a better job drawing these turtles than <laughs> this guy's doing. Like, and I'm, I'm, I'm tell you what, I'm looking through the stuff of legend. I'm gonna just pop open one image right now so I can take a look at it. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's nothing wrong with how it normally looks. It's, it's just. No. Dean, I, I think another problem with that, you said you're reading the, the, the normal Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle book, the, the one in continuity right now, yeah. or whatever it is. Um, and that is just so charming. I, I, I picked up that book because Chris told me to, to do it, and I flew through it one weekend. Um, and I, I, I'm current now, and I just think that um, all, the char- all the characters are just really charming, and they, they look good. Uh, even like the, the Falcon guy, I forgot his name, or, or the, the, the Shadow Fox girl, they're, they're just so tangible almost and they're just they're so charming that you want to just keep following them uh but and then when you have something that's this bad on top of it just to show you how you know on top of a good turtle reference you know it's gonna blow it out of the water yeah and i'll tell you what i'm looking at the stuff of legend right now this art's good uh it's detailed it's it's gritty looking and maybe because it's in black and white maybe he didn't do the colors for the book because it's it's between the drawings and the oversimplistic colors that just make everything look blotchy and disgusting and it, like I said, it just really took me out of the book. Uh, I I'm sorry to turtle fans out there hoping no. for something different, but yeah, it's not this book. So just read the regular book instead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, if you really really need something, like I said, the first issue wasn't too bad to look at. It, it looked all right. It was simplistic it was anime it looked closer to what you'd see on the the animated series stuff but yeah i i I couldn't get into this it it wasn't wasn't great the second issue threw me out it'll take a lot for me to turn around and buy another issue of that even if it's a cool turtles in time story going on the other just that that's just the one thing that i i will never understand as a comic book fan and as a reader why why would you change the artist i i mean i i understand that that shit life happens right things may get in the way but if you're doing a mini series don't solicit the mini series well, until it's done yeah and the, the other thing is yeah. some some of that shit is premeditated like they'll switch artists on purpose and I, i'm just why why would you do that sometimes they switch in the middle of a book and i'm like what it drives me nuts just drives me up a wall, man. Yeah, yeah. the The other book I read was Ragnarok. I believe that's by is that the Walt? That's the Walt Simonson book. I think so. Uh, I, I could double check for you. However, the the main reason I picked it up was because it was just Vikings, and I'm not too big on <laughs> Vikings in general, but mythology I'm big on. And I opened like the. First couple pages, I was like, "All right, all right, Vikings, 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 gigantic monster." Yes, uh, Walter uh, Simonson is the guy who's uh, on the book, and it, it looks great. The story is pretty cool. Um, it's got it's heavily like just laced in uh, Norse Norse mythology, and it, it looks so good. And I, I to be honest, it just really drew me into the book super quick. You know, they're fighting a whole other army for the the good of the the Vikings and everything and you know the, the the gods have their hands in a lot of this with these mythical beasts and whatnot. It is a very, very cool book. It's very well written and it's very pretty to look at and I, I cannot recommend it enough if you want something kind of like an action movie i guess you know if if you don't want so much substance but enough action to make up for it this is probably the book to get because it's it's really you don't need to have your total mind invested like you would for i I don't know say sagas or something or maybe like even a batman book where you you need to be have your eye on the prize to get to the end of this book and figure out what's going on no this book's more like swinging swords and chopping off limbs yeah (laughs) <laughs> well, Simonson, man, like Simonson, he, he, dude, he is a goddamn legend. Uh, the guy is is the I, he's awesome. His his Thor run that he did in the early 80s from it was like 83 or 84 to 87. He did a, a writer artist run on Thor and it is some of the best Thor stuff. There's I believe there's an omnibus out that you can pick up the Simonson Thor um, he created Beta Ray Bill uh, for Thor, which is the 
best Thor character ever. Uh, the <laughs> dude's just, I mean, he's all time. He is just absolutely all time. And if he's putting out a new book, good enough. Pick it up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I did that pretty quick, so I guess I'll talk about one more book and keep it keep it happy. Uh, I'm going to end up on Gumball because I, I love me some, some cartoon comics. Uh, all, I, all I need to say is really one thing about this book. At the beginning, first couple pages, there's a Street Fighter reference, and that, that's it. It's just fantastic. Yeah, that's all you need. This book is cool because... I, kids can read it like it's got plenty of funny jokes and it's lighthearted, but it's also got those like little things, I guess, for an older audience. Like I grew up in the 90s, so a lot of the stuff kind of sort of is reminiscent of the 90s. Like there's no real time period for it because it's a fucking cartoon that it's based on and it's about a cat and a fish that walk around. So I don't know if you could really put a timetable on that, but if I had to guess by what they're doing and playing and the television they're playing on, it's like very heavily like 90s. They're sitting on a flannel couch. It it makes me feel like I'm I'm home. Like it just makes me feel very nostalgic and happy and whatnot. A lot of the jokes are really funny. Uh I guess in the first couple pages, they're just sitting there, and uh, the the fish Darwin is low kicking uh, Gumball the cat in the, the the Street Fighter game they're playing, and he's like, "No fair, you can't do just one move," which I'm pretty sure all of us have just said to someone not knowing how to play the video game. You're such a button masher, God! You're not even good at this game. Yeah, and and Darwin goes to say, "Well, I haven't been on the couch all day." And Darwin, uh, uh, Gumball, the cat, literally, like, suctions himself off the couch, and there's, like, an imprint of him on the couch, and you just see dot, 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 have not. And I, I, I just giggled and snickered, and I was like, I, I fucking love this book. This is great. It's, it's just one of those really happy books that I need to, like, kind of – I come home from work, and I'm like, this is my unwind book. This is fantastic. This is exactly what I need. And for anyone who wants a silly book who's maybe a little bit older uh, and doesn't want to read something serious like Batman or Sagas – uh, this is, this Always is a cool my book. books, Dean. Always my books. <laughs> the only two he can remember right now. He's sort of fogged out most of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. It's it's like 95 degrees up in my room, so that's just all that's coming through right now. Uh, besides that, yeah, it's really all Shit I read. Uh, there's some stuff I was looking forward to reading. If I could just give a shout out real quick, there was uh, Transformers vs. GI Joe. Did uh, either you guys, any of you guys see that? I thought about no, but it doesn't sound like a very even fight. No, no not at all. But the best part is they took the 80s cartoon graphics and they just slammed it right into the comic. And I was like, oh, I, I can't miss this. This is just too fantastic. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. That so, sound, yeah. That sounds pretty, so it's awesome. Yeah. When, when I get a few extra bucks, I'm going to pick it up and check it out. I haven't, I haven't gotten a chance to do it yet, but hopefully it's, it's everything that I hoped for in 80s terribleness. <laughs> <laughs> 80s awesomeness yeah yeah sorry excuse right. me 80s awesomeness uh so i believe we're at the end of the podcast now um evan you got something really really big coming up why don't you tell us about it all right well as you guys as i've told you guys before i'm part of uh garden state comic fest uh it's our second year uh actually that's that's a lie it's our second show within one year um this week um we had a pretty big announcement Outside of artists like Dave Bullock, uh, Herb Trimpey, Bob Camp. Bob Camp is one of my favorites, Ren and Stimpy, yo. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually got Ethan Van Shiver to come to our show the day, and he's going to be doing sketching all day for free, which is Wow, that's awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. awesome. Um, and... Who knows? I mean, we still got uh, it's uh, August 23rd, which is a Saturday. It's in Marstown, New Jersey at the Hyatt. Um, we still actually have like two or three spots left that we're trying to get some heavy, heavy hitters. But I think we may have blew the load for this show with Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> so He's I mean, so good, though. I mean, if, if you got to if you got to blow it all on one dude. Yeah, that, absolutely. I fully agree. Um, the, and and even I mean, the added bonus of free sketching, like you don't get that very often at a show. Um, I know we we didn't get that at the last show, and so, so one of the talents of, of Ethan, I mean, 
I mean, we wouldn't have Hal back if it wasn't for him. It's, it's, it's just awesomeness. Um, yeah, and that's, that's the big one for this week. I hope that I'll be able to give you a little better taste next week. So, Well, very cool. If uh, people want to actually look at this stuff on the web, uh, where can they go to check this out? GardenStateComicFest.com. Awesome, awesome. And you guys have a Facebook too, right? Garden State Comic Fest. See, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, all right. So, yeah, guys, again, uh, Garden State Comic Fest is going to be really big. Uh, I know I'm going to be there. I know uh, one of the guys from Stone Age Gamers, Chris, is going to be there. Uh, Evan will be down there that day. So, yeah, you know, just uh, – well, of course, Evan's going to be there. If he wasn't, that would be kind of weird. But, yeah, there's going to be some great artists, some uh, really great talent around there. So, yeah, check it out, The August 23rd in Morristown at the Hyatt. Again, if you need any specific directions or information, you can go to the website, GardenStateComicFest.com. Okay, and with that, uh, once again, guys, you know the drill. Uh, share this with all your friends. Uh, we know you love it and you want more of it, so we're going to keep delivering it, but we need you guys to help. We need you guys to spread the word, share it on Facebook, show your friends uh, that this is a cool website and everything. Check out the website, send us some email and stuff. You know, we we make friends, you send us messages, we send you messages. It's great. It's a great time. Great time for everyone. But seriously, um, yeah, you, you can... Uh, <laughs> sounded like the doctor from freaking Simpsons. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hi, everybody. We be friends now. Well, yeah, you know, why not? Why not? I'm glad you guys got a kick out of that. And there'll be plenty more of that in coming episodes. So, yeah, that's why you should share this with your friends because I'm batshit nuts. And I always wig out once an episode. So, yeah, why not? I'm surprised we got it in at the end. I was getting a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, um, you can check out our Facebook. You can check out our Twitter. Those are the two best ways to keep in touch with us. If you want to send us a line directly for anything, you can email us at geeklifesite at gmail.com. That's G33KLIFESITE at gmail.com. If you want to check out our website where we have all our podcasts up and available to listen to, uh, you can go to geeklife.com. That's G33KLIFE.com. Also, you can get through all our social tabs that way. There's even a contact us page. If you don't want to go uh, through your email, you can use our website too and give us a special email that you want to be reached at, whatever. I don't know if you're wearing a trench coat with like a little fedora over your head and you're like the shadow or something, whatever. If you want to be mysterious, by all means, there's an avenue for that too. So 80% uh, of our listeners are on the run. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Conscious of that. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's why, uh, Mike, uh, gives out the bail bonds, uh, thing at the end of the stone age camera, <laughs> just in case, just in case anybody needs to be out on bail. But yeah, besides that, you can check us out on YouTube. We do a lot of stuff on there. There's more stuff to be coming down the line. We got some cool podcasts and stuff, new stuff coming down the line that uh, I'm really excited about, and I know these other guys here are too. Uh, so do you guys want to add anything before we go off the air for the night? Go to go to the fest. Go to the Comic-Con, man. That's, that's I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Support local local shows and old school shows not media frenzies but real comic shows for for fans yeah yeah that, that, that's totally agreeable and yeah if you guys can make it you should definitely go how much are the tickets evan i'm not mistaken ten dollars yeah that's nothing try getting uh into new york comic-con for ten dollars guys you know where to find us on the Geek Life website, www.g33klife.com. From all of us here at the Paper Cuts Podcast, have a good night. Night. Bye. Bye.